up here. Go on this side. Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I got two special guests this evening. We got John and his better half, Amanda. How are you guys? Good. 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 Good, good, good. I um I knew it was getting close to Halloween and I was like, who could I have come on that we could uh, have a little bit of chatting? And I've seen Amanda, you uh you like to do some of that urban exploring and that kind of thing over on TikTok, don't you? Yep, I sure do. I like to take a lot of crazy pictures and put them all together with some spooky music. I like that. My wife likes it too. I almost had her on. She's been on the last two Saturdays with me, but uh, I think I, I wore her out too many live streams. So she, she decided she was going to hang out upstairs tonight. But uh, how did you get into that? Uh, I started exploring abandoned buildings when I was probably like 13 or 14, young, hanging out with older people. And there was an old abandoned asylum, like 20 or 30 miles out of town from where I grew up. And we went out there and of course it had been burnt down and, you know, vandalized at that point. But we went out there and just kind of cruised around and Ever since then, I've always been kind of interested in it. And then one day, John was like, hey, let's go check out this building. And I was like, shit, I'm down. Let's do it. So it now we go frequently. So mine mine started like looking up. Uh, we knew Waverly Hill Sanatorium was okay. closer. Um, so started searching sanatorium, which turned into um, then I realized that a sanatorium was not where the crazy people were. Right. Those are asylums. So started looking at that. Found a channel called Proper People, which is really probably the tip of the spear for urban exploration stuff. Okay. Um, and then watched a bunch of other stuff and realized that most of it's not produced very well. And the videos <laughs> we were doing already, we had the capability to do much better than what was out there. So we just kind of started videoing stuff that we were already doing. And a lot of times you drive through a city and there's these huge, huge structures that are just, you know, dozens of buildings sitting there vacant. And you're told you can't go there. So out of care, you know, you tell me I can't do something. We're definitely going to look to see what's there. And you find that you in fact can, a lot of it is just allowed versus able. And almost, I don't know, in my, uh, let's say experience in doing this kind of thing, most times if you're, if you do get caught and you're polite and you're not a dickhead about it, you might just get a slap and say like, Hey, don't come back here. You know? Yeah. And if you look like you belong there, I mean, you put a safety vest on, Nobody's even gonna look twice. Not even, yeah. Clipboard too. I, I've seen guys walk into restaurants that they don't even, you know, they shouldn't be in, and they'll go right through the back. You know, do whatever they want to do, just simply because yeah. they got a clipboard and they act like they're supposed to be there. Absolutely. Yeah. When we 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 did a lot of it too. Of course, when we were teenagers, it was just the thing you did, you know. And we we had a uh, an abandoned train station in our town that they mm -hmm. unfortunately eventually tore down. It was beautiful and. So, uh, you know, we got hooked and we first figured out that we could get into the basement from around back where nobody knew. And so we slid in through the, the panel that was missing in the door. And so then we got a little more, you know, boisterous and we went into the, the waiting area. We had to maybe, maybe or maybe not pry off a piece of plywood to get in there. And then we, we kept figuring every time we went in, it was kind of blocked. You know, you'd get in and it would be one room. That's all you could get. So we found the main door that may or may not have had a padlock on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, pried that off. And we spent many a day in there until we got kicked out as 14-year-old boys exploring. We weren't hurting anything. We just, I don't know, there's something fun about going in those old buildings and looking around. Yeah, we've never had to cut anything off. Um, they'll usually secure like the bottom level. 
So if you have a ladder, you can always get up a little bit and everything's open. And there's always a way in. And, and when there's not a way in, there's almost always a tunnel that goes in. So it's just finding that first piece. Any, any buildings older than like 1960, they were still running boilers and stuff. So there's always a tunnel system that connects everything. Never thought of that. Yeah. And I, I should mention, I was I was not recommending damaging anything to get into places. We were you just know, stupid teenagers. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, we, there's a um there's a 32 story skyscraper um, oh. that, that we've reconned out and and there's actually they've put a fence around it, but once you're on the other side of the fence, there's multiple entries inside to the building. That's how everything is. All of your all of your major cities have literally have cities underneath them that they've built cities on top of. And if you look at like any grand central station, and there were a lot of grand central stations that were the train uh, stations and stuff. And those have entire cities underneath of those. And most of them have been repurposed, but there's still a ton of old buildings like that from the, from the late uh, 1800s, early 1900s. And they're starting to repurpose them. But when you look at them and you get inside those things, it's like, there's there's some speculation and there's theories that there's a, a you know prior civilization of giants and when you start looking at free energy and mud flood which is fun to look at but why did they build these things so grand like compared to what we're doing now and why were they so intricate and ornate and it wasn't just like baroque it wasn't just plaster that was molded and painted and gilted with you know gold and stuff it was actually carved stone why, why were we building stuff like that 100, 120, 150 years ago, and we can't even begin to duplicate it now? But the craftsmanship was so much better, and everything was so much more grand then. So it's, it's fun to look at those things for sure. I, I thought, I mean, so where I grew up on the East Coast, Nova Scotia, that's kind of where, you know, Canadian uh, culture started. So there, there's um, an old French fort and an old British fort that they're basically within cannon distance of one another. They're about 400 years old. And there's lots of houses in where I grew up that are a couple hundred years old, you know, Victorian style and further back. And I've often wondered, I mean, we owned, before we came out here, we owned a 130 year old home that the stuff that was put into that house simply because they could, you know, I mean, like nine and a half foot floors or ceilings, you know, three, three stories, all like that. And then on the front, you know, they would have all this. I mean, it wasn't thin. Like, it wasn't that cheap MDF shit we have today. It was two-inch thick, rolled. I don't even know how they did it. I mean, and they did all this without powered tools or anything. And so, and, and maybe it is devaluation of money. I mean, we completely went on 171. Up until 1971, uh, a man could support his wife and 2.1 children um, <laughs> off, of, off of, you know, a normal middle-class job. And you can't do that any longer. And a lot of that's by design. So valuation of money. Maybe your money doesn't go as far. But they have sold everybody this idea that you should you should feel bad if you uh, want to own things and you want to have a, a more grand life, right? We've we've sold every everybody is on this this kick right now of tiny homes. I don't need a house. I'm just going to have a tiny home because I don't want to be like my asshole neighbor that has, you know, this big house. And I don't want to be, you know, consuming a lot of things because I want to leave things for other people. So they've sold you this bill of goods. You actually feel bad if you desire something more than, you know, the, the very minimalistic. While the people that are creating that story for you are not at all living in those manners. So these tiny home things, you know, most people would do tiny homes because you could buy a shed for five 
to $7,000. Well, those sheds are now $20,000. Mm. And they're, they're, if you buy one outfitted uh, with paint and a little fireplace and all the, the trimmings in it, you're $100,000. I just saw like a, a double wide uh, pre-manufactured home that's, that literally looks like an actual house for $75,000 that I think is like 1,600 square feet. The thing's enormous, but the little tiny 10, you know, 12 by 40 um, tiny house is $160,000. Like we were, we were crawling around inside these things. And I'm like, who is buying these things? They're literally on a five, they're on five axles. They're, they literally are $150,000, $160,000 when you can still buy a house here for that, like an actual house. And, yeah. they're, and they're made with the lowest quality materials you could possibly find. I mean, like chipboard and, and super thin flooring. And yeah. I mean, like, I, I can't imagine spending that kind of money and getting that low of quality. They remind me of the, the, the mobile homes made in the 70s and the 80s. Exactly right? what they are. That's you know, exactly what they are. And they have because, the, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, John. They have the appearance. Like they have the appearance when you walk in, you're like, oh, quartz countertop. Nope. Those are plastic. Yeah. They're plastic. <laughs> so you can literally burn them and melt them. Yeah. The appliances are, you know, RV, which is fine if for something you're going to use a couple times a year, but they're, they're not insulated for, you know, they're, they're definitely not spray foam insulated. No. It's, 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 it's crazy, man. And you think about, like, I mean, the old ones, they, a lot of them were two by threes or, or two by twos. I'd seen them stick frame with two by twos. What are you going to put in there for insulation at the most right. two, two inches of foam? Yeah, and, much, and then, yeah. and then you throw a tiny house on five axles. How, the, how the fuck are you going to haul it anywhere? <laughs> you know, like, right. I, I, I mean, if you want to go take out a 20 year mortgage on an RV, like a lot of, not that I ever recommend that, but that's what's going on right now. You know, at least well, they, they are it somewhere. Yeah. These things, they're given 20 and 30 year mortgages on these things. Like literally that's the, when you hit the lot, they're like, Hey, we can give you an actual house more. That's the first thing they said when we were there. Hmm. That blows me away. I, I mean, I, I've made many poor financial decisions or, or in the past. I have, I won't lie, but I could not imagine taking out a 20 or 30 year mortgage mm-hmm. on a recreational vehicle that loses well okay over the last two years they haven't really lost value but that's artificial whatever but traditionally loses like a third of its value as soon as you drive it off the lot mm-hmm. and have you i mean anybody out there go in an rv that's more than 10 years old and try to find me one that doesn't have water damage it's right. damn near impossible you know right. and the materials like like you said amanda the materials are thin as all get out and they rot super quick mm-hmm. I, I don't know i I mean, Becky and I are in the process right now of buying a mobile home and a somewhat dilapidated rental property here for <laughs> not a whole hell of a lot of money. Let's just say a lot less than any of the numbers we've thrown around yet. So anybody who wants to do it, it can be done, I think, anyway. Yeah, like we were, I, I want to do, and I don't even know that I want to just. Oh, skip a note on you, little John. Oh, I might have lost him. I'll keep yammering on here for a minute till he comes back. Might be that sometimes he has to switch around on the two different connections, but you can tell he was in deep thought there because everything froze for a minute. But as far as, I don't know, tiny homes, uh, Brian from the Lots Project just said that tiny homes are the absolute worst. And I don't, yeah, Nate says, hell, pulling a 
pull a pull behind brand RV brand new is forty thousand dollars starting. Yes, there you, you just skipped out for a sec, John. I we kept her going there, but you're all you seem good. Everything seems good on our end there. Can you hear? Yeah, me? Yeah, I'm okay? trying to find. Yeah, I'm trying to find me in this taskbar here. I'm not oh. sure where. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, and then Renegade says, and you could actually move an RV without breaking shit all over the place because those tiny homes again. I I don't know. I, right. I remember I watched those shows a while back where every you know it was uh, like a husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend and they're building a tiny home and they're like we're gonna go ski in Aspen or Colorado or wherever all and I'm thinking I couldn't imagine hauling one of them things up into the Rockies somewhere. Right, right. I think I want to bring in like some train cars. I've always thought that would be cool. I always say Airbnb, but I I really don't want to deal with people. I don't want people coming here. I I just want I just want ten different things that we can change scenery. You know. And we were in some train cars yesterday and I thought, man, that would be cool. And I'd said it a year or two ago. I'm like, I want to buy this train car. How do we move it? And we had three or four clients who literally like, hey, I moved a train. I moved some train cars last year. We can totally do that. We can totally set those up on your property. And would you use them for storage or just kind of looks? No, I do like tiny houses in them. I would just do them as small cabins, you know, just for change of scenery. That'd be cool for staff to stay in mostly, or just no for us, just for, oh, just for me, just just to have awesome. We so um talking about trains and talking about urban exploration. I w- I went back to visit mom and dad last year at Christmas time, and that um anyway we had what they called Upper Clemens Park, and it was a theme park, and it had been there. I went on opening day in like 1988-89. and I got talking to my buddy on the last day I was there. We didn't get there. The place has been abandoned for about three years. And they have all the signs up. Don't come in. Patrol. Anyway, they, none of it exists. And there's a ton of cool footage. I, I kicked myself in the ass for not staying another day and going and exploring with the kids because they would have had a riot. But anyway, just recently they moved. They had a train that had sat there for 30 some years because before that we used to have trains in Nova Scotia. They took them out in the late 80s and they brought in a crane lifted it up and a guy who has a little train museum took it and has it set up at his place now. Yep. I it's it's anything's doable if you are willing to throw a little bit of money and time at something. Absolutely. There's a ton of uh amusement parks all around the world, but there's a ton of them in the United States. There's a YouTube channel called Defunct Land, which yes. is pretty good. Yeah. And there's, there's another one um something Sun Ventures or something. And you can find a ton of places just from watching those videos. There's if you go to East Tennessee, there's dozens of those places out there. Really? What? Why in particular is East Tennessee any any reason for that? Or? It was a tourist trap, so it kind of was the way, right? When they really, when we set up all the the interstate system, it killed all those rural routes. But right. like Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg, there, there's just still today. Like Dollywood is there, and there's tons of little go kart places and amusement parks. But there's some really big. Uh, abandoned ones and they try every now and then every 20 years somebody tries to make a go buys it does some improvements and then it just you know it's it's not there like it's not the business model anymore we uh so that um theme park i was telling you about a private school from scotland bought the land oh there's my daughter now yeah <laughs> she just come in to talk about upper clemens park but a, uh, a private school from scotland bought it pre-covid and said they were going to make a branch in nova scotia and that completely fell apart so it i mean because you got to go in you got to tear everything down maybe save two or three old buildings and then repurpose the land why not start with virgin land somewhere you know yeah you're buying the idea at this point because the way epa and fda and 
and you know OSHA and stuff, you're never going to bring one of those things up to code. No. I mean, the, the place I'm talking about in East Tennessee, to get up there, you literally had to take a, a ski lift to get there. That's how you got there. Like that's how people arrived at the park. There's still there's still roller coasters up there. Two three big uh, urban exploration guys went up there last year. Um, it's it's neat, but there's trees growing through all that shit. All the concrete's crumbled. Uh, all the old it was like a wild west town. All the old animatronics are there, and all the the you know space has uh, the cellulose has melted off their face and stuff. So it looks like just old creepy robots and stuff now. Well, to me, that just screams of, hey, like an indie film should go in there and fucking film some sort of end of the world or horror movie like, or something. Like Chernobyl, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of places hope to do, like Chernobyl, you can go to Chernobyl right now, even with all the nonsense going on. For the last decade, if you just type in Chernobyl into Instagram, you will find several Chernobyl tour companies that are very, very active and people are coming from around the world to go there. And the fact is that Pripyat and those places probably make more money right now than they ever made before. Well, they do because there was no outside. Nobody was even allowed. They didn't even admit that some of those cities were there. But there's people coming from all over the place to see the wreckage, you know? Right. And there's, there's hotels some, and stuff. And there's something about, I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if we just have too much time on our hands or what, but nostalgia really really sells right now and people love to go and see how things were you know and every time every time there's turmoil nostalgia sells right we always start talking about the good old days spearco talks about you know right after 9 11 um everybody stayed home and watched yeah. all the black and white movies and all the tv shows and stuff the old shows and they're hungry for it and i think that everybody wants to do some some crazy something they're not supposed to or allowed to do right so chernobyl is a good example of that you go through there and you're definitely when you get home you're glad to be home most likely and whatever life you left to go and see uh chernobyl when you get back your life looks a lot better than it did probably when you left you definitely appreciate it more it kind of recalibrates you i would think that's true and and you said too there's there's something about when you're told you can't do something it there, there's a certain percentage of of us, of our population. I mean, for instance, you know, when first day of uh, tactical rifle at tactical response, what do you think I wanted to do? I wanted to shoot an AR because I can't shoot an AR, right? Like it's, I don't know, it seems to be in human nature that we want to go places we're not supposed to or explore things we shouldn't. And most, most of the time it's, it's the people telling you, you can't have no authority to tell you that you can't, um, especially in like the, the abandoned and urban exploration stuff. We're in tons of groups for that stuff. And we put videos up and they're like, you're not supposed to be there. How did you go there? Or, <laughs> and, and even as far as when did you take that footage? Cause that place isn't there. That's been tore down. I went over there. Really? Cause we were there. Literally. I took this footage two weeks ago. How'd you get in? I walked in the front door. That's not there. Yeah. You know, it's just crazy. Our own people that we walk amongst, are really want to hold you back more than yeah. more than regulations and people that don't know you and have no effect in your life. We, for some reason, people who are not happy with their situation want to limit what other people are, are willing to do that they're not willing to do. 100%. They, they, they want to be involved in these things. And it's, it's even worse in, in the, the tactical community and the gun community, right? Who's most apt to tell on you or tell you what you can't do or why you shouldn't do something? 
it, it's it's people that you interact with on a, on a more frequent basis than complete strangers. We as a as a people, we limit ourselves and try to hold our peers back more than complete strangers do. It's just it's absolutely insane. And and people do it to themselves, too. And I always hate, you know, the millennials, we've kicked the millennials asses for a while. And now it's the Gen Z's, right? You know, it's easy to pick on them. But um, I've seen this a bunch in the last few days. I, for some reason, Elon Musk is in the headlines again, you know. Well, and, I can tell you why. Yeah, yeah. And so you read the comments and it, and it typically is young people, you know, and, and they're like, well, you know, well, he came for money. So, of course, he can. I can't do that because I don't have money. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you didn't come for money, did you, John? <laughs> well, did Elon Musk come for money? I don't know the answer to that. Okay. I know that people don't realize he was one of the people that built PayPal. Right. And he he slept on his coach. He worked 20 hours a day. So he did come from money. His parents, not as much as people think, but his father gave him nothing. Apparently him and his dad didn't really see eye to eye. You know, so maybe they had some connections. I don't know. But you go back and look. And I don't, I mean... People shit on guys like Jeff Bezos. They shit on people like Bill Gates, and rightfully so. But those guys built something that they were absolutely passionate about and put, I am sure, asinine amount of work and hours into whatever they built. And when it, when people say, well, he came from money, right? If you took it, I don't know how much money he had, right? Whoever right. gave him how much money compared to what the person saying that has why didn't you amplify your money that much more also, right? Why didn't you, why are we worried about what somebody else did? And when because we say, when we say millennial, I think we need to remember nowadays, because we've been saying millennial for 20 years, right? Yeah, nowadays, millennial is, what is a millennial? 40 years old right now? I don't, I don't know. Okay, I don't so tech, I, I'm going to be 42 in March and technically I'm a millennial. I always that's called right. myself a Gen Xer growing up because that's what we were. You know, I listened to grunge and, hated the world and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. So, I mean, you know, millennials are, are middle age now. So I guess it's more of the Gen Z's or millennials or whatever, but the young ones that are just starting to come into, you know, uh, the world, right? Like trying to the, the, the adult world, I, I don't know. Some of them are holding on a, a lot longer, but it, I think, like you said, it's easier to point fingers at other people and say, well, they had it easy. Must be nice. That right, way right. I, I don't have to do anything. If we're going to assign a title, I want the title of Deca Millionaire. I'd never heard that till the other day. And it's it's millionaires that make tens of millions of dollars. That's the title I'll take next. That's that's yeah. the one you guys can you want to call me dirty words, call me that because that's where I'm that's what I'm after. <laughs> Absolutely. And I I don't anyway. I mean, I just listened to Nicole's podcast the other day. She had Joel on there from K Fortress mm -hmm. K9. I mean, he lost everything absolutely down to nothing and the dude is making well over a quarter million dollars a year now he was completely open in the and to redo it in less than five years there's just too many too many excuses <laughs> way off on a that's, that's why i tell my story so frequently guys are like well you're a felon and i'm like you know i'm a felon because i told you i'm a felon like you're right. not going to say anything negative about me that I didn't publish. And that's re that's the reason my story's out there. But I say that to say, while you're worried about somebody else and you make whatever it is that you do, how come you didn't scale that? Because I started back with zero, absolutely zero. And in, in, in a one year period, like to get out of the halfway house, I had to have a job. I got three jobs 
by the end of the week working 80 hours. I worked 80 hours at three pizza delivery jobs because that <laughs> let me have a cell phone and then started my business out of my mom's garage again and did $900,000 the first year I was home. I owed the IRS, 900, I owed them taxes on $900,000. I did $900,000 first year home on probation and three months of that were living in a halfway house. So what's your excuse, right? Why didn't you do this? And they're like, well, I didn't have whatever. I didn't either. I started with zero and worked three part-time jobs while making that $900,000 additionally. But that's hard work, John. That's the problem. That's right. And hard work is a dirty word now. Yes. Like, like we, we cannot, we cannot promote hard work nowadays because people don't want to do that. And I think that's one of the things like renegade butcher here is saying, you know, even if they came from money, you still have to put work into making anything great. You can throw money at the wall all you want, but if you're not willing to Amen. either put something there or have somebody put something there, nothing's ever going to be there. So hard work is now a dirty word. Why do you think that is Amanda? If you because wanna... I, I think it's a generational thing. I think that we, our parents worked hard to give us everything that we wanted. And we worked hard to make sure that our children had everything they that they wanted. And now our children have everything they want. And they don't want to work hard to give the next generation everything that they want. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. But then again, I mean, our parents worked hard. Did everybody's parents work hard, right? Is, is that the case? Mm. Or is that compartmentalized by neighborhoods or wherever you grew up, right? I mean, maybe it's, it's where we live now. It's very, very poverty mindset. Yes. If you get on any of the local Facebook groups, the most talked about topics are how the fast food places are so fucked up and didn't give me my order correctly. Well, you shouldn't be eating at a fast food place anyways, right? My question would be, why don't you improve your life to the point where you have a chef or you have prepared meals or you go and eat wherever you want to eat. Right. So it, it's just how you look at things. It's in, and, and we corrupt children by the age of seven, a child is for the most part going to be set on the course of what he is for the rest of his life. And it, it's just like Andy Frisella tells the story. I think Jack Spierko has a similar story. Uh, you're, you're sitting at a tire shop and you're, you're with your uncle and your father and, um, you're getting tires changed on a car or some automotive procedure done. And a guy comes in in a really nice, you know, cherry red Ferrari or Corvette. And the child is very enamored with the sports car. Oh, wow. Look at that. But dad and uncle don't say you could have that. You could have, you could have that. All you have to do is put forth the effort and visualize it and create it and do the work and put the money towards that. Right. But instead they say, yeah, uh, must be nice. Must that guy, be nice. You know, he's an asshole. He takes advantage of people because he runs multiple businesses and has employees. And you you literally set that kid on or off that course right then with those comments. And he associates nice things with feeling bad for that. And that's something that we don't strive strive for. So a lot of it's just it's just exposure. If you are around shitty people. You're not necessarily going to be a shitty person, but you're never going to achieve what you could achieve. I heard it said a few years ago that the ultimate life hack is to move away from where you grew up. Now, that doesn't necessarily always equate to success, but I can tell you in my personal experience, and this is not necessarily a slam of where I came from, but when you grow up in something and you just, that's all you know, 
and you're going along, you know, it's like those old, what was it in the, um, the Roman times that the carriages would make the, uh, the ruts in the road and you got stuck in them and you have, you know, choose your rut cause you're going to be in it for the next hundred miles. Mm-hmm. So I just was in that way. And we moved to, out here to the prairies where I would say the success mindset is a little higher for sure. At least the individual entrepreneurial spirit. Now, could I have started a business where I came from? I probably could have, but it took whatever, whatever happens that shake up and, you know, hitting your head against the wall and moving across the country to realize, holy shit, I can do something. Look at, look at like your rap, your rap stars, right. Or your, your NBA stars or your football stars. You always hear those stories about the kids that came from the wrong side of the tracks. And that's what it took for them to get there. And and maybe maybe leaving there was not what it took. Maybe they were on that course and they were the best that shined and they got the scholarship and went to college and actually performed and, and got an NFL contract or whatever. But the end result always, whether it took whether they left and became greater or they became greater, they always leave. Nobody ever wants to stay where you're going to be robbed. Nobody ever wants to right. stay where you have the potential to be just shot on a more on a daily basis. So and and I mean, you're just you're going to you're going to do what you're going to do. And and the reality of it is we can have these conversations over and over. But it seems like <laughs> the people that insert themselves and have these conversations and want to take issue with what others do. They're never anybody you want to be around and they don't have any meaning and any they don't have any choice in your life. They're not taking choice in theirs. And to feel better, they want to talk down to somebody who's willing to do something they didn't do. Everybody wants to be involved in the conversation. I can't tell you how many times I've been in an event or somewhere and somebody's like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What should I do? And I, I'm like, okay. So I sit down and for 10 minutes, I tell them what I would do and give them some options. And they immediately tell you why they can't do those things. Well, we're hmm. fucking done. Like you're, we're never going, to, I'm not going to let you near me. Right. You're obviously not a performer. And if I put energy into you and you don't perform, that means my success rate comes down. It's true. I never thought you're right though. I, I get emails and obviously not as often as you, but I get a lot of emails. How do I start creating content or where do I start with my business or what's the next step? And you know, for a long time, I, I mean, I, I'll always help people. I mean, you know, I'll talk to people all day long, but if you come and, and I spend a half hour or an hour or, or do an entire email and send it along to you, if you come back to me in a month and show me where you did something with that and, and improved because of it, friggin' right, I'm going to go along. But I can promise you the next thing is if you completely ignore everything that I said, <laughs> you know, you may or may not get another email back and it won't be a long one and it won't be very helpful. The thing is, like, if people if people are asking you that question, that's because they're consuming your content. Mm-hmm. But they don't need you to they don't need to ask you how to do content because we have this. So rather than consuming content, because when they're done consuming your content, they're consuming somebody else's content. They're stuck on the toilet for 45 minutes. They sit on the couch for six hours. They can tell you about television shows because all you have to do is go on YouTube and type in, how do I create content? And there's, there's 50 million people out there telling you how to do that. If you can't sit for 15 minutes every night, I get in bed typically about... 12, a little earlier now, about 11 o'clock. And I'll just type in current algorithm trends on Instagram, Hmm. how to do targeted marketing on YouTube, how to do targeted marketing on Facebook, right? 
So for 15 minutes, if you can't consume 15 minutes of content that is 100% actionable, that will scale and make you a hundred, couple thousand dollars immediately this week, I can't help you because you're not helping yourself. It's all there. It's all there. Like I had Cody, we, we bought a laser and I had Cody hit this company up and I knew they had bought a laser. And after the fact, I said, hey, what did they say? He said he would book me for a consultation um, $100 an hour. And I'm like, son of a bitch, I should be doing that. Because so often people <laughs> yeah. ask me how to do things. But if they're not going, if, if they're willing to give you funds for it, then they're more apt to actually perform. And if you help, if you help 100 people, but 90 of them don't perform, you only have a 10% success ratio. How much is your time worth? Like literally, while I'm typing some stuff out or communicating with somebody, what could I be doing instead on this weekend with her? Or what could I be doing that makes my bank account come up higher? Right. Because what is, what's your capacity, right? Can you make $1,000 an hour? If you can consistently build something and sell it for $1,000 and it takes an hour, then you make $1,000 an hour. If you can consistently do that, why should I not charge somebody for, for the time, right? Why should I? I've done this for 35 years now, and now people want to ask me questions about how to do it. Yep. They, they weren't in my shop when I was sleeping on a dirty piss stained mattress for fucking a year. They weren't in, you know, in a little room when it was Amanda and I and four of the kids. They weren't there then. Right. They're only there when all the, the fun shit's there. That's I, I've had people come to me and say, wow, your content has just blown right up. Yeah, that's great. You, you know, and I, I don't necessarily think they mean what they say, but it, it comes across as, wow, you were lucky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do, yeah. do you, do, do you want to come out to my shop when it's minus 10 Celsius and film some videos at 536 o'clock in the morning so that I can have enough content to make sure it's out like that man shit sucks sometimes you know you want to get up before I mean we've got six inches of snow coming and right away it'll be 5 530 out my alarm will be going on I'll be up anyway but and we'll be out anybody want to come and blow in snow and you know what I mean like none of it's easy but right. it's simple. You just do it. You just, it's not fun to do it all the time, but, but we do. And people, people don't realize too, like when you're, when your content scales and there's clearly a demarcation where, where yes. the quality has gone up, what they don't realize is a content dude, when you hire a content person, that's a thousand dollar a week guy. And he works, he is, he is on site two to three days. Like you're going to get three, five, full format videos and a couple, but that's a thousand bucks a day, a thousand dollars a week. And the really good guys, those are $3,000 a day. Like they don't, people don't, that, that's a conversation that people just never have. When you watch these, these high volume YouTube channels with millions of content, millions of views on their videos, they're paying, those are $10,000 $10, a video, like, but all said and done. And that's not my time to stand in front of the camera. That's not me including, okay, this is what I make per hour. That's not how that works. You put the, I'm, you're investing in the, like you said, when, when you put money into something, it, um, it gives you the onus to do something with it. Right. I mean, for instance, the, uh, shit hit the fan. I think that's his name, the shit hit the fan fitness guy that was at, um, yes. yeah. So I signed up with him hundred bucks a month, basically for, you know, an app and three, three day a week kind of exercise stretching routine. Right. But you know what? That's $100 a month. And that that's 
to me, that's a bit of an investment. So I feel it. I'm that I'm anytime I think, ah, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it. Well, I've spent the money and now I'm going to do it. Right. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. And it goes that way with anything like with, like you said, with content The and I, I hate to say the more money you put into something, the more you're going to get back out of it. But especially early on, anything you can find to invest, whether it's time or money, you're going to see a return on it down the road. And that, that scares people, I think. And and I get it because you, I remember our conversation a few months ago and, you know, I always tend to recommend that people have enough money in their bank account and make sure their business is, you know, going smooth enough before they leave the man behind. And then you're like, just fucking quit, burn the bridge and go. And sometimes there's something to be said about that motivation. Well, I come from a place where I've never had enough money in the bank. Right. I've never had enough. Never, ever have I had. I don't have money in the bank right now for the most part. There's times I, I've never missed payments, right? I can always make my payments. My people are always paid, but I, I don't ever worry about it. I just I have the ability to make money, and I and I have a thousand ways to make money if I need money. And I don't know how that mindset. Were you, were you always that way, or did you develop that over time? I don't. Do you, I don't. I wasn't always that way because there was a long period of time where I had absolutely nothing. So what changed do you think, John? I don't know. I don't, I I don't, don't either. That's why I, that, I ask you that because I don't know that, right? It's just where I focus my energy. If I'm focusing my energy on running around with the guys and, you know, chasing women, then I'm really good at that. When I stop that and I focus into business, I'm really good at <laughs> that. Um, I do laser focus on things. Like I have to be careful on social mm -hmm. media not to look at, you know, um, luxury um, pages, right? Because yep. if I do, I'll be like, hey, I want to go buy another car and we're going to go buy another car and then I'm going to figure out how to make the payments and make that shit work. Whereas if I put it into the last two, three years, the real focus has been infrastructure on the property, food production, how do we feed the food and just making things self-sustainable. And I'm, I'm, the truth is I'm kind of fucking tired of it right now. So we're running around more on the weekends and we're going and doing stuff, but the infrastructure is here. We already know we can do it. We've already proved it. You'll never know that that's the mindset when you show up here in you know February for the next Self-Reliance Festival. Things are going to look completely different. There's going to be a lot more of everything. Everything's going to be smoother, but I'm going to go have some fun for the next couple months. We're going to go do some other shit. It, I, okay. I, I don't know how like-minded people attract. I guess maybe it's because you realize that, you know, what do they say is iron sharpens iron, you know, that kind of thing. But when you when you just describe what you are about being laser focused on whatever, I mean that that describes me to a T. That's exactly what I am too. I get I absolutely go balls to the wall on something that I want to succeed at, and I put everything I have into that. Sometimes it may be the detriment of something else, for instance, right? And then because I was just talking about this last night on the podcast, at I, I balance to me seems like an impossible thing anyway. But I, I think I need to like you said, spend a little more time with the family and the kids and that sort of thing just for a bit. Because when you get laser focused on that success, sometimes some of the other stuff kind of, ah, oh, shit, maybe I should slide back and do that a bit. And whose idea of balance, right? Because right. it really doesn't fucking matter unless it's no. the people that matter, mm -hmm. right? Who cares what somebody else thinks? Who cares what somebody else says? What is balance, right? We've raised our kids. You Renegade know, I would love for our kids, I would love for our kids to go and tromps around abandoned buildings and stuff. They're very interested in it. But 
they don't want to get up at five in the morning yeah. to go do that. They don't want to have to get up on the weekend, right? When you see us doing those things, we still work 80 hours a week. Like that's not that's not a exaggeration or just some shit I say. We, her and I work 160 hours a week. All day today, she was in there working on stuff to fulfill orders to ship product. I don't know why she even does it because I would rather her not have to do it. And we could have all of Sunday open to go just leave. Right. But she has made commitments and financially, I don't know that they're even worth doing, but she made the commitment, right? Mm -hmm. All day Sunday, she finished product and bagged them and is ready to ship. I think she's got another 40, 50 orders ready to go out the door. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't either. Like you said, I, I, I try to figure out what switched because you know, I remember being a 23-year-old living in an apartment that was heated with furnace oil, and I could barely put oil in the barrel to heat it. I mean, it would be, I would get a two-week paycheck, and as long as it was warm enough, I'd have enough oil to last. And if it wasn't, this is no word of a lie, it was an electric space heater in my room, and I would heat up enough water to have a Navy shower uh, on the electric stove, because I kept my electricity on, but I didn't have enough for heat. And yeah. All of a sudden, you know, and then I met my wife and we struggled hard for a few years. And then all of a sudden we just decided, I guess it's time to get motivated and make money. I, I don't know what, I don't know what switched. I think it's your priorities change. I think it, you, you go from, I'm kind of like slogging around and I'm just kind of like doing, I'm in the motions. I'm just going, I'm just doing it. And I'm just doing it and I hate it. And then you're like, wait, I don't have to live like this. I can make a change and I can do better. And then you do whatever it is that has to happen in order for you to do better, whether that be changing your bills or changing your the place you live or, you know, getting a better job or getting more education or whatever the case may be. You're like, OK, it's time to be an adult and it's time to do better. And what and what is adult? Right. That's that's a big part of it. We have this idea that at 18, you're an adult. But nowadays we allow kids to live in the house and, you know, with mom and dad and we still pay their bills and, you know, fuck, we even, they, I mean, we, we know people that bought their kids cars and pay their insurance and they're, they're still living at home. So they're still on the medical insurance and they're 30 years old, 35 years old. We've convinced kids. And I think this is kind of changing now, but we've convinced kids that, you know, we, we have them in school for 12 years to convince them to go to school for another four to eight years. <laughs> and when we put them, we, we, why is the only thing in the United States really that can't be uh, bankruptcied a student loan, right? Because we keep them in the system. Mm -hmm. So by the time they actually do the training to do the job, by the time they start doing the job or the skill that they've been trained to do, the whole market has changed. So they're paying on something for another 15, 20 years for a service that doesn't even exist in the same manner of which they trained to do it. And it, it's literally, it's just slavery. When you get away, from whatever situation you're in and and we don't right because it's comfort and comfort breeds complacency people are mm. complacent living in mom's house and i did i stayed in mom's house till shit i don't know 20 25 years old maybe mm -hmm. so when you get around and you go to places where there are better people you know if you walk into walk into a a bar or a, a i don't know man go to a business mm. meeting somewhere. go to a rotary club meeting or Go to a uh, chamber of <laughs> commerce meeting. People are like, hey, what do you do? What do you hear? You'll, they're going to introduce you to people. When you meet new friends, 
that are doing things on a higher level, you are going to be brought up. It's just going to happen. When you hang around low performance people, I, I like to say it's a wireless charger, right? We take that phone and we put it on the wireless charger. I can come in here. Well, my people come in here at, at seven o'clock. The first people get here, right? I can yes. be at a hundred percent. If I have a 50% person come in here, I can get with them and we can get, have a conversation and, you know, talk about some stuff and I can bring them up to 75, but it brings me down to 75. Yes, it, does. Yep. Do that. it only, it only levels. Right. And eventually my battery is going to build a memory and I'm only going to be a 75% motherfucker. So you just need to be around better people. Try You can definitely try to help people, but I never help somebody more than twice. You get three strikes. Well, we don't need to go to three because we are you already wasted two. We know who you are. I think it's a, a grown-up version of peer pressure in a good sense because yeah. – and I think that that's part of what happened with us moving across the country to the prairies is we got around people out here. It wasn't just moving, but we moved and had some people around here who – knew how to look after money, knew how to build a business, knew how to work their friggin' ass off. Simple things like cleaning their vehicle. You know, I mean, I grew up in a place where nobody ever cleaned their vehicle out, never washed their car, never did oil changes. As soon as you come out here, that was the way of life out here. You got an oil change every 10,000 kilometers. You, you made sure your vehicle looked good. And, you know, you took pride in that shit, right? I was the type of guy that used to take, I remember Becky wouldn't buy me new tools because we didn't have a pot to piss in, but I'd take fucking a socket set and I'd leave it out in the rain for 10 weeks. It would rust and I'd throw it out. And I didn't have the money to replace it. Now yep. I got the same socket set I've had for 15 years because that day I promised her after that, that I was going to take care of it. But it, it is, it's a mindset and you start because if, if you, and, and Nicole talks about this a lot, I want to talk about this comment from Tim after too, but Nicole talks about it a lot. You get somebody in her get, get shit done or GSD group, right? You got 10 or 12 doers there and you bring in one, as I like to call them a donter, <laughs> you bring in a donter. They're not going to stick around very long because they're going to feel the social pressure that, oh, everybody else is getting up off their ass. You know, as soon as we finished eating sausages, we're going to go do something. But this guy, you know, might like to sit around and not really do a lot, but talk a lot. You're not going to hang around somebody like that for very long before you either one of two things. You either change or you move on. You know, I I had a, a professor in, in university and he, he said, uh, you, your, your actions and your principles can't be two separate things for very long because either one changes or the other does either you you change your principles or you change your behavior and be, they just can't be out of sync for very long and that that's that whole mindset uh tim tim gowick do you know tim is he from your end of the, have you seen him i don't recognize the name but it, uh, anyway I recognize the name. okay he said uh, going broke to be homeless living in your car changes your outlook on life do you know where you've been and where you are now? Done it twice, living on pork and beans. Yeah. Been there. I, yeah, I, we were too. I mean, we we always made sure there was toilet paper in the house for the kids. But beyond that, there, there I remember a couple of times we were within a hair of going to the food bank. You know, we, we, we did everything. we Pride kept us from going. I'm sure it did. But, you know, we were that close. And uh, I had... I can't remember. I think her name's Diana. Anyway, the apartment prepper, she came on my show a while back and, you know, I, I said, I'd like to have you on because you're the apartment prepper. I want to talk about that. Well, she had an incredible story, just an incredible story about, you know, she's looking after her special needs, you know, very adult brother. Like I think maybe in his sixties, he can barely hold a job down at a fast food. So she takes care of that. They were homeless living in a car for, was it six months or a year in the winter in 
Colorado, you know, like just crazy stuff that she's pulled herself up and out of, like gives me chills to even think about it. And, you know, now she's, she's living a life and she's building content online just to, because she wanted to, you know, because she felt like she needed to. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> like you said, the wireless charger thing, you surround yourself around people who are doers and you're going to be a doer or, or you're going to leave one or the other. We got steady presence in here. He said, Hey, Tim and gang spaghetti method was in full force this year. Tons crossed out and focused opportunities for next year. When do you start? When do you start planning for next year, John? Like what, what does your, do you, do you set goals for the year? <laughs> Amanda's laughing. In February. <laughs> I, I assume that was the answer, but I'd like to hear about it. What, how do you decide? So, want, yeah, go ahead. If you give me a million dollar contract with 12 months to perform, we're not even going to start thinking about it for six months and we're going to start performing 90 days out. I work better in complete chaos and, it, and I'm sure it is difficult on my people, but I'm the leader of my people, unfortunately for them, I guess. Um, so I'm, I'm going to wait till the last minute and see what we can do. I am, I am much better when there is urgency and importance and, if, if, if you said, Hey, I'm going to give you a million dollars and, you know, deliver a hundred thousand each month. I, I don't know. I mean, we would do it, but I just work better in complete chaos, right? We're going to start putting the building out when it's on fire. That's when it's going to, we're going to start and we never miss and we never fail. And we're always a much stronger team afterwards. For me, I, I, about 60, I have this thing where things beat around in my head for a while. So for instance, my presentation that I'm doing for Jack in, in a couple of weeks, I need that to beat around in my head for about a solid month. And it doesn't mean that I'm thinking about it. It's just kind of in that back, you know, yeah. and the ideas are there. And every so often something will hit, something will click, whatever. I don't know how you use the back of your brain, but that's what it does. And today I sat down and just brain dumped on the computer because it was finally time to get it out of there. And that's kind of how it is, you know, that I, I kind of let it all beat around for a while and then it just comes out and it comes out in an hour or two. But I've spent months or weeks thinking about it, depending on how much time I have to deal with it ahead of time. And then, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. No. I was going to say, and then for me, we, we started talking a little bit last night on my live stream about goals for the next year, because I, I, I tell everybody set goals, not resolutions, because a resolution, as soon as you break it, you're out the door, right? You say, hey, I'm going to lose weight this year. That's my resolution. Well, the first time you eat a hot dog or a, a popsicle or whatever it happens to be, you're like, well, I'm fine. You know, slide back a bit. I worked with a guy at the hardware store. He quit smoking every single year on New Year's Eve. Some years he would last a week. Some years he'd last three months. The man's still smoking to this day. He, he never had a goal. It was always, well, this is what I'm going to do. And then as soon as he fell off the wagon, that was it. And he was done for the year, right? So for me, it's goals. Uh, you know, and goals are great because you can incrementally make your way there, right? And it gives you something to shoot for. Every time I set a resolution, I failed. So I, I started setting goals and moved on from it. Yeah, every mid-December, I always start talking about the the gym resolution guy. And you know how we're not, we know he's not going to do it. It's because he's not doing it now. If, if you're right. going to change your diet January 1st, but you're not right now, you're not going to do it. If you're not going to go to the gym now, you're not going to do it. it. It's just you haven't had enough shit in your life that you're going to change your life, right? And that means that you're somebody, because it, it, it's weird. Recently, 
people like how, Hey, I've got this, how do I convince this person to do this thing? Or I've got this loved one, or, you know, they just won't listen. Stop. You are, you are holding yourself back to bring them forward and they're not going to come forward. They literally have an anchor and they've got a chain around their waist and it's hitched to a bumper of a five ton truck. Leave them. You can't save them. You have, and, and you have to save you. And even more than save you, you have to improve you before anybody's going. You're going to be able to save anybody else. Do you ever it, watch? Just, do you ever watch Jackass? Remember the TV show Jackass? Yeah, we know some of the Jackass. Okay, guys. well, I love the dudes. I, I introduced my 12 year old girl to the to the movies here a few weeks ago. She loved them. Anyway, I look at them and they they got a guy like Steve-O, right? Um, he was an absolute. He he took every drug unknown to man. An absolute. Yeah, heroin, heroin was his undoing. He currently has a new YouTube channel right now where they drive around in a van and interview all these guys. Right. And there's guys with stories way worse than his, like very, very pop culture, very famous people on his show. You can watch it right now on YouTube. He's clean now. Right. Yeah. But bam, you know, bam, bam is a fucking wreck right now. And they're all, every one of them, Johnny, all of them, they're all trying to help him. You know, they want to, they, they keep sending him to rehab. The dude, there was a video the other day where <laughs> I, I believe he got right out of rehab and went right to the liquor store because he doesn't want to change. And I, to me, that's the perfect analogy. You can't change anyone else. You're fuck. It's hard enough to change yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I don't I don't understand the drug thing, right? I've not had a drug problem. Just I I can't save them. I'm busy doing things, and it's going to take away from me and my family to help an addict. I, if I know an addict, I don't know that he, I'm not aware that they're an addict. Um, sounds cold. Sounds harsh. Glad it's not my fucking problem. I haven't had to deal with it, but that, I mean, it, it goes to, it goes to everything. How do I convince, uh, you know, my brother not to play video games. He gets home and plays video games for five hours a week. Stay the fuck away from that dude. Right. Like he just stay away from him. Let him show up at Christmas and Thanksgiving and, you know, have a conversation and be like, Glad I'm not that motherfucker. I mean, I, I don't know. People people are so busy trying to be soft because it's what they think they should be rather than just being fucking hard, right? I'm not hard for everyone, but I'm hard for fucking losers. I don't have – I'm not accessible. And when you start to do that, your life is going to change so much for the better. And if you're sad and that was your friend or that was your brother, go get better friends. Go right. where there's – I mean, we don't have the psychology problems and the – the mental problems that we have. If you feel sad and you think that you need to go get some counseling and some pills for that shit, you're supposed to fucking feel sad because there's something missing in your life and you feel like you're not achieving anything. And rather than work hard, rather than you walk into a counselor and they're like, you are just a fucking pussy and you need to work harder instead, because they can't sell that to you. Instead, they sell you some pills and you come back for 10 more counseling sessions. And then you bring your spouse in so that we can have a group meeting and maybe we can diagnose some shit wrong with her and sell her some pills too. Because I need to have this reoccurring charge with a hundred of you weak motherfuckers to come in here and pay me. And when you when you really get down to the bottom of it, if you look at Freud and those guys, they were just fucking sexual deviants having incestual sex with his own daughter. I mean, but look at how much money. And we still use that doctrine to this day. Whereas what I should tell you is you're a fucking pussy. Go to the fucking gym, sweat some and fucking just you want want for more. You are sad because you are not fucking performing and you know 
in your mind, in the bottom of your fucking gut, you know that you're falling short. But we can't tell people that, right? We're not allowed to say that anymore. Instead, we got, we're going to touch and feel and pat you on the butt and listen to you fucking cry. And, you know, what gets the most videos? When a dude fucking gets online and cries and talks about how sad he is and how he's being vulnerable. No, you're being a fucking pussy. And who's fucking, you're, you're looking for those eyeballs. That's why you see people do that multiple times because it was the most attention they got the first time. That's exactly what the algorithm does too, <laughs> as we've talked about that before. But yeah, it, and it's true. I, I, there's no easy or hard way to put it. And you say, you know, you say you're hard on people, but you, you, you're not hard. You just don't waste your time on people who the time would be wasted on, you know, I, right. for whatever reason, you know, I, I know you, you took it upon yourself to help Nicole out and you've must've seen something to me because you've helped me too. You're not hard with me. <laughs> you know, you just tell me what the fuck to do. And I usually listen and that's not a bad thing, right? I don't even tell you what to do. No suggestion. I just, I just said, Hey, you're doing really good on Instagram and Facebook. Check this TikTok thing out because I'm growing exponentially on TikTok and it's unthrottled. And you ran with it. That, that was the end of it. Yeah. Nicole was present in that same conversation. And both of you guys that day went and got TikTok. And what you will find is that most of your eyeballs on TikTok are not the same eyeballs that you have from Instagram. And both of those are separate eyeballs from Facebook and, and, fa and Facebook and YouTube, right? It's just weird how people are. Yes. And okay. So uh, I, I picked this little tip up from Jester is his name. He was at prepper camp. I've talked about him a few times. He has the it's doomsday 2.0 podcast. He had a fucking kick-ass live podcast studio outdoors at prepper camp. It was sweet. So I asked him, he's, he's constantly on TikTok, and TikTok's kind of locked down. So when we're streaming here, I can't restream it to TikTok, even though I've got it on telegram and Facebook and all the places. Right. So he takes his phone, he turns it on, he sets it here like this, he turns it on and streams. So I've yeah. been doing that like crazy lately. And every time I stream, I, I don't do it with this because I can't, I haven't figured out how to do interviews yet. But on my individual shows, I just put my phone there and let it stream for an hour. Now, last night I had 500 and some views from TikTok. You know, I, that doubled the typical views of a live stream after two or three days. And it, it was in an hour on TikTok, right? It is the strangest thing. Yeah, go ahead. And the most important thing to, to the most important piece of information out of that is you had 500 on TikTok. Those are 500 fucking sets of eyeballs that were not on any of those other platforms. Yes. And get this, 90% of the people that came through were suggested from the live feed stream. That means they're not my followers. So 90% of people who came through were people who had never seen me before, or at least didn't follow me before. Yeah. And every single live stream, it went from like 50 views to a hundred to 300. And last night was well over 500 views. And it's, yeah, I, I, I've said it a few times now, if you're not on TikTok, I think you're wrong. Because it is absolutely one of the few places where you can get exponential growth pretty quick. So I'm, I'm always surprised, I guess, baffled is a better word. The, the people that I know and interact with will make a post. And these are dudes that are pretty successful and, you know, run companies and stuff. But they're like, if you're on TikTok, you need to get off TikTok. That's the, that's the Chinese government owns TikTok. Oh, you're going to get well, me started. Well, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I think you're foolish to not think that they all are owned by the same people, right? Because I'm not worried about 
the Chinese government knocking on my door and kicking my door down. I'm worried about my government. I'm not right. worried about somebody in China who gives a shit. Well, they're showing you what what they want you to see. Oh, do I have eyeballs? Do you think do you think that the China, the CCP government wants tool man Tim? Really? That's that's what they want. 500, you know, people to yeah. see if they watch Tim talk about whatever he's talking about with me tonight. I don't care. This is this is the people pointing this out are the same fucking people that every time Bitcoin goes down, they're like, man, I'm so glad I'm not in Bitcoin, but uh, I know you just lost a ha 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 right? No, it's because you feel good because you finally have something to say to somebody else who doesn't know you exist. It, it's just baffling the amount of time people spend on negative shit. If those dudes were your friend and they're like, hey, I know you had $100,000 in Bitcoin yesterday and now you've got $10,000 in Bitcoin can I send you $5,000? Do you need, you need a hand? They don't say that shit, right? No. Only, they only like it when something fails for you. You want to know, and, and there's all these, these memes going around on social media right now, right? I do a, I do a video every morning at 4.30 and I get 10 likes, but I got 500 views. That's because they're throttling me back. That's because they don't want to see you succeed, but they're watching everything you do. And there's something, there's some truth to that. I make videos. And a couple times a week, I'll get some dude that emails me who clearly has seen my video, makes a fake email address to send me an email to talk shit to me about facts of something. He, he has to be subscribed to my group. Oh, my God. He's on in private. It is baffling how that works. Just laugh about them and just keep doing what you're doing. I can't imagine the energy it takes to create right? like and, and the time. I can't manage my own social media accounts, much less some fake ones. Like what kind of, I, you're talking about, I was just thinking, for instance, say you got a Russian rifle sitting in a corner and a bad guy, whatever, breaks into your house. Are you going to say, I'm not going to shoot him because the rifle's made in Russia? Like how yeah. fucking stupid is that, right? Mm -hmm. I, it makes no sense. I, TikTok, sure, it's owned by the Chinese. I get it all the time. I love my generator that I have hooked into my natural gas. And we've talked about this before. But I, every single time I talk about it in a video, I get, I'd never hook into natural gas because when the government shuts it off, I won't have it. And I'm like, it's a tool. Use the fucking tool for what it's there for. Get yourself, because if I'm on TikTok and I get exposed to 5,000 sets of eyeballs tomorrow and three people become my true fans, if I get kicked off of TikTok tomorrow, they're going to follow me. And the other 4,997 didn't matter anyway. So what's it matter whether it's Twitter or TikTok or Christian Mingle, whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Like Those are, it's poverty mindset people, right? You can go, you can go buy up an acre of property here for a thousand bucks. It's probably got a, a shed or a trap or cabin that's a hundred years old on it, right? When you stand inside the structure, you can see all the air because all the chinkings <laughs> out of it, shit, right? Yep. Sure, you can go live like that because the, they might turn the natural gas off, right? Right. Or I would prefer, I say there's two kinds of preppers or homesteaders, right? There's people that are so busy prepping and homesteading that have just clawed their way onto a piece of property and they're going to, they're so busy doing that and homesteading that they're never going to make any money to raise their status or, or comfort in life or their generational wealth for their future family name, right? There's the other group of people, the opposite side of that, that are so busy doing business and make so much money and do whatever they want in life that they can afford to homestead and build McMansions and underground bunkers and tunnel systems. Which would you rather be? I would rather live like Tag from Life Done Free. Yes. If you look at Tag's house, it's 4,600 square feet. You would never say, hey, 
there's no cables running into this property. There's no water running into this property. Yet he has everything you could possibly want on his terms. Which would you rather be? Because you can be either one. Yes. You can be either one. I say all the time, I want to live comfortably if the end of the world happens. Yep. Or if the government turns off all the gas flow and everything, right? Can I live? Yes, we can. But I'm definitely going to take advantage of all those benefits and those those modern amenities until the day comes when I don't have to. Why wouldn't you? I, because I'm, I'm, I'm 50 years old. Right. Every year that I can remember, something was supposed to, an asteroid was going to hit the earth, or California was going to break off and fall in the ocean when we lived there. I watched Nostradamus. I watched, you know, we were ready for Y2K. Every year, there is something that is supposed to wipe us out and destroy us. So if you truly believe that, the guy who's telling you, I would never run natural gas. I love clicking on their profiles because they never <laughs> have a life. They're never a dude that I'm like, I'd like to fuck with that dude. Like, I'd like to maybe hang out with that guy or I'd like to do some business with that person. They never are doing any of the shit that they're giving you the advice of. They never have any performance. They never have anything that looks amazing, right? It just, they're not. Back in the 50s, C.S. Lewis, the, you know, C.S. Lewis, the author. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And if, if you don't know who he, if anybody out there doesn't know, you should find out about it. Anyway, so he, he was teaching in a university and the students come up to him and they're like, life is pointless. What, how can I do anything that, because of the nuclear age? They said they, they cracked the atom. We could be destroyed tomorrow because of a nuclear bomb. Why should I do anything? And he looked at him and he said, listen, think back to Viking times and any person living in a village on the ocean, on the sea, whatever happened, at any moment they could be raided and killed and slaughtered. He said, do you think that stopped them from creating or doing things? In the All we've ever, it doesn't matter now that the new ice age in the seventies, uh, you know, fluorocarbons and the ozone layer in the eighties and nineties acid rain. It doesn't matter shit's always going to be there. We just got to build it and fucking live our life and enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all have to still eat, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, You're what right. I, that's what I tell them. I'm like, if you really believe this, why are you paying taxes? Right. Why don't, you, why don't you stop paying your taxes? You might even go three, four years before they knock on your door. Just stop paying your taxes. If you are so convinced that some bad shit's coming and you're giving me advice, why don't you just stop paying your taxes? Why don't you just get in your car, drive 100 miles an hour to work tomorrow. When the cop stops, you tell you, just tell the cop, I don't I don't recognize your authority. Go ahead and try that. Like, yeah. Do that. Go be a sovereign citizen for a bit and see how long you can I actually. I love those do. videos. I love those videos. I watch them. I watch them every time I see one. Love them. I don't think it's going to work for me, though. No. And it's not. I don't. Okay. That, you know, Jack Spierko says it. He's like, you can jump off a building and say. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in gravity, but mm -hmm. I guarantee you, you're going to fucking splat on the pavement, whether you believe in it or not. Yeah. And you may not believe in gravity, but gravity believes in you. <laughs> right. And you can lip off to a cop all you want okay. and say, I don't respect your authority. And you can believe it right down to the absolute tips of your toes. But when he pulls out the taser or worse than that, you're going down. You, yeah. You well, when he puts you in handcuffs, you're still in handcuffs. Right. And when you're in jail, you're still in jail, whether you believe it or not. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, keep i'm a big fan of being a gray man and i i say that and while i live you know we're content creators but just kind of keeping your nose away from some of that shit because the guys that poke the bear they're the ones they want to make an example of every single time yep absolutely they most certainly do because they don't want other people to do that right right because yes and if you're the guy that's out there 
a few years ago, oh. there, there was a pastor in New Brunswick that was against um, abortion. And wherever you stand on it, I don't care, I, whatever. But he said, I'm not paying my taxes. He was very vocal about it. And what do you think happened? You know, they arrested him. And I, I don't know whatever happened, but they tried to make an example of him because he was vocal and he poked the bear. And when you do that, like the sovereign citizens do, you're bringing the wrong attention to yourself, right? Yep. I, I mean, because no, even, if, even if it's, even if they're correct, even if they're correct, those things go viral. Mm -hmm. the, the, the local government there yes. cannot allow that. Mm -mm. They're not, they're not crushing Conway, Kanye West right now because of, of his stuff. They're crushing him because he's giving a million other people ideas. Right. They can't have that. <laughs> you, you can say it with Elon Musk too. I, there was a funny, I, I really try not to get into the news a whole hell of a lot, but there was a guy from CNN who was basically saying that it's going to be the end of the world because Elon's Musk version of freedom, free, freedom of speech is going to be imposed on people. And I'm like, do you hear yourself? Right. You have people who literally went to jail, risked their lives as press agents or agents of the press in the past to support freedom of speech. And now you're saying that Maybe it doesn't exist or it shouldn't. Yeah. So he did just tweet at Hillary today. I heard something about that. What happened? That, that, Nancy, that fact check Nancy over Nancy Pelosi and said, it is possible that your husband is involved in a gay relationship. Like the <laughs> oh my God. That, that man, I, if nothing else, he's got to be the world's best troll. I, I appreciate it to no end. I, I feel like they say he's on the spectrum of autism a little bit. So he, he's lacking filter. Mm -hmm. But I think when you have that much money and you deal the way you do, you have to have no filter, right? Because especially in business, how many times have you been involved in some business transaction where it's frustrated you and you've let it go and you've let it go and you've let it go. And finally, when you make the decision, you're fired or whatever it is. Yes. There's literally like a weight off of your shoulders and you're like, holy shit, why didn't I do this a year ago? Yep. When you do what needs to be done and you do it without a filter, right? You just, it doesn't have to have a filter. If you're cutting ties with somebody, who cares? Just be done with it. What is better for your organization? There's a reason I, you're cutting ties. I lived just about the first 30 years of my life where I had, I, I couldn't do that. I, I had no, because I don't know if it was fear or what it was. And now I think I've made up for it over the last few years in business. But, you know, I'm sure there's times that people just don't like the attitude or opinion that I've shared with them, but I just don't care anymore. And it doesn't mean I'm a bad dude or whatever. It just, I don't have time for all that other bullshit. Just if you're authentic, people will know exactly what you are. And then the people that agree with it, it doesn't even matter if they agree with you, but they're going to know what you are. Right. So you don't have to hide it, right? Imagine if you built your whole business presence pretending to be something you're not, but then you're saying what you actually are on social media, and then these people find that, right? And then that's how they can cancel you. That's how they can unravel you because you are relying on doing business with people that think you're something you're not. That would be like somebody come up to you, John, and say, Hi, gotcha. You're a convicted felon. Well, so everybody... Anybody who's ever bought from you knows who you are because you're honest. It, you don't leave any room for anybody to come in and say, surprise, I found something out about you because, that, like you said, I, I assume that's a big portion of why you share your story. There, there seems to have been a, a 
recently we've been doing these live videos with other people, right? Yeah. And a group of people have shown up to go, oh, I don't know if I would be doing live videos with that guy uh, because his some of his stuff says fuck on it. And he, he swears a lot, he right? He says fuck too much. He says fuck too much. And there's this whole <laughs> – these other YouTube pages – and, and when you start reading, after we do a live feed, I'll go read the comments on yours, on your video post, and I'll read the comments on mine after the fact. Okay. And we figured out where they're coming from. Like, I don't know what you hope to gain by trying to keep somebody else from doing videos with other people, but it's pretty baffling. It's just people are so fucking worried about shit that does not affect them in any way, right? Why does it matter religiously what you believe? Versus what I believe, right? If you believe something and you believe it 100% with your heart, what does it matter what I believe? Does it mean because it's almost as though if I if you can't convince me to agree with you, then what you've believed all this time is not correct also. Like it just right. doesn't fucking matter. You just need to make up and and you can totally be like, I'm not doing business with people that are not in my church. 100% fine. You are never going to be what you could be. Right. Because what does it, again, what does it matter? I, and I, it, it's a little easier to get around people in the anarchist space because for the most part, people are, you know, they believe whatever I want to fucking believe is fine. Right. And and again, like, oh my God, the F-bomb. I, You know, I was brought up in an evangelical home and I was also brought up to kind of respect the company you're around, right? At least yes. when I was younger. And and I still do. I mean, if I, you know, if I'm talking to a little old lady, I'm not going to say fuck this and fuck that and fuck, you know what yes. I mean? Because that's respect. You that's just treating people like human beings. But when we talk, this is how I this is how I talk with my wife, with my kids. They know who I am, right? They they don't fucking care and you know, my my kids are going to probably talk the same way I talk and that's okay. But I I don't understand why people get so bent out of shape over that. Yeah. And and for what? I mean, that's the hill that you've chosen to die on. And like you said, if, if people don't reach out and work with other people and you're never going to agree a hundred, I've never met somebody in my life that I agreed a hundred percent about everything on. I, I don't agree. I don't agree with everything. <laughs> Becky and I don't agree a hundred percent. And I'll bet you and Amanda don't agree a hundred percent on everything. Probably a lot more than, you know, most, but... I'm always right. Sometimes she comes to the realization that she was mistaken. I'm always right until, I, until I'm told I'm not right. And then, you know, I'm right as long as I'm the only one in the room. Let's put it like that. And so. you can you can find, too, that your your thoughts will change, right? What, yes. what was right for you two years ago, might, you might have a totally different stance on it. And it's not even that you were wrong two years ago. The situation has changed or you've matured enough that you can now understand it or see it through different eyes. You've grown, you know, I, yeah. I, like I always had some anarchist tendencies in me. I knew that, you know, I, I was, I, I grew my, my, I grew up with my dad who was staunch anti-union, hated unions. You know, he was pro business and that kind of stuff. Didn't matter, whatever. But, you know, I grew up, like I said, in, in an evangelical home. And there were things like my stance on abortion, for instance, and that's a that's a hot button topic for a lot of people. But when, you know, growing up, well, that was just absolutely wrong under all circumstances. And then then you're like, oh, wait, but so I've had this conversation with my parents a few times. They'll be like, well, we need to legislate this or legislate that. Right. Anti-gay marriage. Whatever. I turn around and I tell them, you need to understand those exact same legislation can be turned around and used against you for your freedom of religion. And it was during COVID. 
it's just division. It's just further and further division. How do we take a, a mass of people and chop part of their strength away, right? And that's what mm -hmm. that is, right? I don't I don't care who you have sex with. I, I no, just don't care. I don't either. I don't I don't care what what I don't have a, a problem with black people. I don't have I like we don't have a we don't care. People come to the events from all over the world because we have a common interest, right? Right. And, and an example is people come here, two, three people come here from California. Man meets a woman, end up getting married. They literally live 15 minutes apart from each other and never would have met. They came for a common interest. And that's the further division. And no matter what it is you're into, the gun community, and they, I guess you have gun community, gun culture, and there's this separation between them. Imagine if they could get along and be like, no, you're not doing that shit to us. But we're so busy policing each other and almost like telling on each other and just causing hate and turmoil. When you were operating in flight or flight, fight or flight, and when you're operating in a, a negative mindset, that's all you have coming. You're never going to be able to achieve what you could if you came together and you're just like, yeah, we're not, you're not doing that to us. Go ahead and pass your laws. We're not, you're not enforcing them. We're not, they're, they're, they're not in my life. That's not happening, but they're able to divide us blue collar, white collar, upper class, middle class, inner city, urban, right? We just, just more and more division. And then how do we take that body of people and find something that they're, they're both can't agree on, right? We got to divide them through religion. We right. got to divide them through sexual preference. We got to divide them through their views on abortion. So you don't have any strong body of people any longer. So they're able to do whatever they want to do to you. You know, the other day, I'm sure you heard about the uh, the basically handgun ban up here. And, you know, I knew it was coming. And I had a bunch of people, lots of people message me. Oh, you must be so mad. What? And I'm, I don't want this to sound, but what the hell can I do about it other than continue to work on my freedom? You know, I could go and protest or do worse and end up in jail and then I lose my freedom, right? So instead, you know what I'm doing? I'm working on buying land in Tennessee. And having a place where we can come and and be like we are working on building more money and more freedom because I can't I can't stop whatever the fuck Justin Trudeau wants to do in Ottawa as much as I might think I can so I'm not going to worry about it as much as it sucks and I wish it didn't happen what the hell can I do about that instead I'm going to go make more money and figure my life out so what does that actually mean for real for you right does that mean you can't own or you just can't buy another one that's you it there transport it you can't use it i've got five i own five handguns I, I had to work really really hard to be able to own handguns here it wasn't like wasn't like i could just go down to the local gun shop and buy them right two-part course months of waiting background checks everything and so then I could eventually buy them, but it still took weeks every time I wanted to buy one to own them. So I own five now, but that's all I can ever own up here anymore. Uh, so it's basically a, a no longer buy, sell, or trade handguns. I, from For now, until they decide to change it again, I can still go to the range with them, you know, and do that kind of thing like I always could, but I can't buy anymore. So, you know, I always wanted a Glock. Can't have a Glock. Uh, you know, I did what I could do in the time I could do it. And I'm not going to jump up and protest because, you know, Jack Spierko says the number one rule of, uh, sur of survival is not dying. And I think number two is staying the hell out of jail unless you absolutely have to. So we're going to live life the best we can. And does it suck? Yeah, it sucks. You know, I wish I had a God-given Second Amendment right. That's right, right? Second Amendment for the guns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I do have it. But it, like Amanda and I talked about there for me, just because you believe something, you know, if, if you want to fight it, 
you're still going to end up in jail, right? That that and that's the end of it. I, I'm not going to jail for something like that. I'll just work on my freedom in any way, shape, or form I can. So if you go to the Walmart here, you'll see dozens of firearms in Walmart, right? Right. Those are the the concealed, the open carry guys, right? Those yeah. are the ones you see. Most of those dudes, when I see them, it's not like hmm, I'd like to hang out with that person. He looks like he's probably like it's just kind of a goober thing to do. Yep. You're white, whatever. But there's probably twice, if not three times more concealed carry, right? When when I sit down at a restaurant at a table with 20 people, chances are 15 of those people are going to have firearms on them. You're not going to see them, but they're there. They're everywhere here. Here in Tennessee, you can carry a rifle literally yeah. right right in the center, right between the center console and your seat, along with your pistol. Like everybody has them. They're everywhere here. I we, also don't, we also don't have shootings and we don't have people shooting up the Walmarts. When I was down there, I, I, uh, I, I, um, you know, I had some time on my hands. I'm like, yeah. So I called, um, whatever it is in Tennessee, the people that look after that. And I said, Hey, can a Canadian, cause you guys have constitutional carry down there. And mm -hmm. they said, we're not really sure, but I don't think it's gonna, um, I don't think you're going to be harmed by carrying if you wanted to not saying I did or didn't. I'm just saying that was the option, right? right? right. I was well, at an event. Oh, what's that? I said, that's a good answer. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I was at an event in April in Tennessee. I'm sure you know what event that was. And I said, uh, we were sitting around the campfire and I said, how many people are carrying right now? And I think the majority <laughs> of people put their hands up, right? Never once in the entire time was I there, I even seen a gun, but it was pretty cool to know. And I, that those, yeah, there, for the time I was down there and when I was at tactical response, I got to say, there's, uh, there's something very empowering about having that on your hip under a shirt. It just, uh, it, it gives you just a little more confidence and you know, Hey, you know, it's, it's the great equalizer, right? Yeah. It was interesting. I enjoyed it. I, and I, yeah, well, that's why we're looking for land down there. Right. But <laughs> yeah. What time, you have, what time do you have to call it quits, John? Uh, whenever, man. You good for a bit yet? Yeah. You get your live stream tonight too, or no? Uh, nine o'clock. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so I should, I, Let's slide back to the topic I started with just before, because we always go off on tangents. But uh, Amanda, what when you guys do all this exploring and stuff, have you guys ever run into anything really creepy or weird? Or what's the interesting things you guys have found? I always like hearing about the most interesting things you found. I don't think we've really run into anything creepy or weird. I mean, thankfully, we haven't ever run into any people there. That's always like the the thing that is... I'm really looking out for is are we going to ro roll up on somebody that's homeless or somebody who's doing something that they're not supposed to be doing or something like that. But it we're, we're really just looking at the scenery and, and looking at the, the different textures and the decay and just how people leave things. It, it, I, I've all, I thought about this a few times too, but at one point somebody closed the door or shut the drawer for the last time and then walked away yeah. and whether they knew they were doing that or not it always it was like when i was a kid and i used to drive by houses at night and you'd see the light on and mm -hmm. you'd be like i wonder i wonder what who lives in there right mm -hmm. what are they doing you know <laughs> i just remember that as a kid and i was always and that's the same thing like you know somebody locked the door to that office the last time they left or did they leave in a hurry or you know and, and it doesn't even how did it get so dilapidated and so forgotten and at one time, it was so important to the day-to-day -day lives of somebody. Yep, absolutely. So we don't we don't really do like residential areas. 
Um, it's all big, big industrial factory, um, especially like asylums. That's my thing is, is looking hospitals, asylums, tuberculosis wards. Okay. And I don't, I don't know why that is. It's just those that because those are typically the old buildings, right? We're in buildings yeah. and you're looking and you can see where they added electricity. You can see when they changed over from boiler heat to other things. You can see where they added in phone lines before phone lines even existed, right? Yeah. But it's, it's where the asylums, there was terrible things done to these people. Um, I don't know why I'm really attracted to them. We were in an asylum uh, a couple months ago, and there was another couple of YouTube channels in there with us. And I I'd, I'd hit them up and I said, hey, we're about 20 minutes out. Is there any security or anything? He's like, no, but the paranormal activity is off off the chart today. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll you know, whatever. You know, I'll be on the lookout for it. Right. We were in, it, we were in there for probably seven hours. Um, and when we left that night, when we got back, you know, you're just fucking dirty. You're around asbestos and mold and <laughs> mud paint. paint. So the first thing you do is get a shower. And then we get in bed and I'm like, did you feel anything? Did you notice anything? She's like, I didn't, um, but I wasn't open to it. Well, a couple of days later, they had a lot of footage. We were in the morgue. The autopsy table was there. Um, these guys that were there right before us had filmed some stuff inside of the uh, the drawers, you know, for the, yeah. the morgue. Got in there, went to sleep for 30 minutes, had a voice recorder going. Um, they were in the tunnel systems. And they had some super weird shit on their cameras. And they're, they're filming uh, in the dark with infrared. And the dude's like, oh, my God, something just went through my arm. And on the video, you see this white orb, and it actually goes in one side of his arm and through the other side. So is that a spirit or is it a ghost? What is it? There's some terrible, crazy shit. Like they were doing lobotomies, electroshock therapy. There was two courthouses in there. And when they would commit people, the judge would automatically order electroshock therapy. And that went on for a period of like six years where every patient that came in the hospital, they would put them under electroshock therapy. So they were tortured. Bones broke, ribs cracked, spines cracked, all kinds of shit. They were doing lobotomies out of there. Um, at one point, there was this lady out of Memphis, because it falls under the jurisdiction of, of Memphis. Okay. And there was, there was this lady who ran this, uh, like, abandoned children's home. Well, she was selling those kids to pedophiles and literally selling them into slavery. But back in the day, the majority of those patients, a lot of them were women. Up until 1953, I believe. You could just roll up to an asylum and drop your wife off and be like, I got a new woman. Take this one. Well, they basically these women, many of them were in cages or they were drug there on drug therapies and different thing. And you had men that had access to these women. So these women would have children. Well, wow. how do you explain that when she's been in captivity all this time and all of a sudden has a child? Whose child is that? So there was a lot of and, and there's a lot of that happened but it's very hard to find the information on it. So we like to go through, I like when we hit a place, I want to hit the first floor and hit every single room. And I literally, we walk as though, as you're coming through a building, right? Like you're going to clear a building. We come in a room and hit all four corners of the room and come back. I want to hit every single perimeter wall in the building, walk it slow, get footage of it. Cause you don't know what you're going to get footage of. There's a lot of times we have stuff on, on video that we don't realize we had on video. And then we're going to take the best parts of that Put it together in a manner that we can tell a story. And then I want to find all the history. And then I want to yeah. try to find people that actually worked there at that time and see if we can get history from people because they're going to have audible history that's not written or just simply isn't on the Internet. And the Internet's been scrubbed of a lot of things. 
like Google is not at all what it used to be. When you right. use different search engines and you use the same search terms, you get very different articles and stuff. So how do we put that together? And a lot of times we'll go into these places. We were in a, um, a cotton town. It was a huge, huge cotton factory. The whole entire town was built around this, but it was built on slave labor. And when you read the Wikipedia on it, it talks about how great the family was and how they provided schooling and uh, they did all the stuff for the war effort. But you never hear the story from the other side, right? What's the darker side? And that's what we try to find and kind of just, you know, narrate and voice over. So while you're seeing it, we watch a lot of these videos. Really, when we're scouting out locations, we want to see everything we can possibly see just to see what we're getting into. But most of those videos are just terrible. It's just it's just young kids running through. And and that's why it's so hard to find a lot of these places, because the people that find them, they don't want to tell the kids because every everywhere you go, there's dick, you know, on the walls and the windows are broken. And these places will sit completely intact for 100 years. And then as soon as some asshole kid gets in there, he's broken everything and it's just destroyed at that point. That's what my uh, my best friend when I was out, out east told me about Upper Clemens Park. There wasn't a piece of glass left on the property anywhere because it was just it had, you know, it, somebody put it on TikTok or Instagram or something. And once that happened, all the, you know, love them or hate them, the kids got in there and made an absolute mess of it, you know. And when you talk about, I, I mean, wherever a person stands on the idea of the supernatural, I think when a building or a place has had evil done in it for a long period of time, it it almost has a cloud over it. Like you can feel it or you know, you can just tell that a building was bad, right? Like the the bad mojo. And I don't know what you call it, whether, whether it's our evolutionary traits that, you know, just for whatever reason, you, something you connect to and you know, but yeah, there's definitely something there. Yeah. They say that the, those stone, like those old stone walls hold that energy. And maybe, and maybe that's why it's not so much in modern buildings. Maybe that's why I don't, I don't know why, or maybe it's just because there wasn't so, so much of that stuff happened in those single locations. Like the one we're speaking of was, it was actually built in 1880. Okay. And that's when it came online and they actually vacated. The last people were moved out of that specific building uh, in 1960. Now there's like this, this facility used to be 1100 acres. It's down to 186 acres. There's, they say there's 3,500 uh, unmarked graves on the property, but the number is really probably higher than that. I see somebody asking in the comments if we've been to Waverly Hills. I've researched, I've seen every piece of content there is on Waverly Hills. We have not gone to Waverly Hills because nothing's left there. There's just literally nothing there. It is it is so videoed. If you watch 100 videos on that place, there it's all the same shit. There's just nothing there. Now, Waverly Hills... Uh, started as a schoolhouse. Um, a doctor built a schoolhouse for his daughter, and then it became uh, a doctor's office. And then they built um, during pre-tuberculosis. They built a little tiny hospital. During tuberculosis, they built one wing that came out to the side. Then they built another wing. I believe it's four stories or three stories. Um, they say there's over thirty-five thousand buried bodies on the property. A lot of the stuff that you a lot of the content you look at says that once you were put into Waverly Hills as a patient, you never left. Uh, even the people staff there never left. Um, people, you Your people could come visit you on the weekends and go home, but you could not. Now, recently, as in the last three years, there's a lot of black and white footage that's come up of people that were actually patients of Waverly Hills Sanatorium. 
And it is, they talk about having left or I was about to leave. And, you know, I missed my, they were kind of a family there. Now, I don't know if that's because it closed down. You, when you search Waverly Hills, you also find things about asylum, but I've never found anything factual that said that. Now, during, during tuberculosis, they were doing all kinds of crazy experiments. They were cutting lungs open. Uh, filled them with lead musket balls to try to get the other lung to not collapse. They used ping pong balls. Um, there is a real famous nurse there, got supposedly pregnant from one of the doctors. Uh, she committed suicide. There is supposed to be uh, a ghost of a child. When you move a ball, the child will move the ball back. There's tons of stories like that. The body shoot. Um, they say that there was so much death that they would take the bodies out through this body shoot. Uh, so the other patients didn't see the dead bodies. But in fact, what that is, is it was uh, Waverly Hills is on a hill. And in the winter, um, this is where the, the vehicles and originally like the horses couldn't get up the grade to the hospital. So okay. that body chute, they could leave supplies and food and actually bring them up through the underground tunnel into the hospital. They did, in fact, use it to move patients out. But it was not originally built for that. It was for bringing things in. Uh, it was a huge campus. They produced a lot of these places, produced all of their own food, produced all of their own electricity. And it mm. wasn't just, in fact, like a, a little city. Right. They were all fully self-contained. Um, and that's how all the asylums, not all of them, but the majority of them. And then there's a fine line between asylum and poorhouse. Also, that's another word. Um, yeah. And then we stopped using the term asylum and it became state hospital. So when you look at state hospital now, that's what a lot of the asylums are listed as. Um, Geraldo Rivera went in in the 80s, I guess, uh, and did this expose in this asylum. And he kind of wandered off with a camera crew and got a bunch of crazy shit on video and then exposed it. You had uh, hundreds of men and women fully naked, just in feces. Um, sores all over, children commingled in between them. Um, and that became public knowledge through those exposés he did. And Nancy Reagan got a hold of that and it became her pet project uh, to end this. Well, they did end it, but there was no solution to it. So literally they opened the doors and said, be free. Now, some of these people are 100% crazy. Others were just unwanted from their families. If they were an embarrassment or whatever, we used to just tuck our folks away. So these facilities have sat now, anytime you see that, that cracked paint, right? That old lead-based paint and stuff like that, there, it's fine until it is not climate controlled. Once, it, once the yeah. electricity is turned off, these places just fall apart. And then you have people in there stealing copper and stuff. Well, when you're stealing <laughs> copper, you're breaking through all that insulation, and that's where the asbestos stuff. The asbestos will stay there almost forever until you purge that or break that. Um, so tons of these places have just said empty a couple, maybe five years ago, I started looking at asylums for sale and okay. I found several that were fully contained islands that were like a hundred acre Island. There's one in Chicago. There's they're in New York and they're for sale. They have farm had had farms on them, full fire departments and power generating facilities, you know, just crazy stuff. When they started going through a, probably about the early two thousands, they started unfitting these things and reclaiming stuff and trying to repurpose them. And in a lot of them, they found in the basements and they found rooms and stuff where there was all kinds of experiments. And a lot of it was in German. We brought a lot of these guys oh. over to Operation Paperclip mm -hmm. and those doctors continue their experiments with no oversight. 
because nobody's checking on these people. Once you drop these people in these asylums, nobody came and visited them and said, hey, where's Martha? Where's Mary? They just had free reign to do whatever they were doing. And they found all kinds of laboratories and experiments and records from Nazi doctors in a lot of these places within the United States. So I love that you mentioned about telling the story, because like you said, you know, they always say that uh, history is written by the victors. So the yeah. good guys get to write the story. Why is that important to tell the, the other side of that story? Why, why do you why do you why are you drawn to that portion of the story? Well, I just believe everything that you see out on media is for the most part bullshit. Right. I it's appreciate like, it. Yeah. <laughs> like right now, okay, the big the big thing for the last week is um, we only have five days worth of diesel left, 20 days? 25 days. 25 days worth of diesel left in the United States. Okay. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but why are they telling you that, right? Why are we all talking about it? Because somebody decided to tell us that. Why? What What's the manipulation? Now, I'm just going to put it out there, but for whatever reason, I'm going to guess, and I could be completely wrong, and I hope somebody um, corrects me if I am. I'm betting 25 days isn't that far off from the normal stockpile. But right, and that is, and that is in fact, the stockpile. That is not the stuff coming in. That is the strategic reserves or whatever. Right. And again, it's the same uh, early, what was it, April, May, when everybody was absolutely scared shitless of rolling blackouts this summer. Remember when that was a story? Everybody's mm -hmm. like, oh, we're going to have rolling blackouts. So I did an episode on it. I, do I dove into, I don't know if anybody saw it, but they had that really scary map where half the continental United States was painted in red. And these were the spots that were supposedly at most risk for that. So I went, I, I went and found that map. And then I went and found the report that the map came from. Turns out they put that same report out every single year. And each year there's a map with scary little colors on it where Either they know there's planned upgrades, planned outages, whatever it happens to be. But this year, they added a little bit to it. It got a little extra dark. They had a few extra states in there. And the whole fucking world lost their goddamn minds over it. And I don't know, does, did anybody suffer from rolling blackouts this summer? I'm sure there might have been a few, but yeah. So fear sells, right? People are sure going to look at it, right? Is it, is, it, is it just manipulation so that we will consume your content? Or is it something more insidious, right? Have have somebody gotten together with the generator sales <laughs> Right. And like, okay, how do we sell these generators? How do we up our sales through Home Depot? And I don't I don't know what the answer is, but the outcome's still the same. Um, during the COVID stuff, we saw uh, on on Facebook, of course, targeted marketing because Facebook knows I'm in Tennessee, and it said Nashville um, Nashville Mayor signed something into effect that we're going to uh, mandate the shot and do all these things, right? And somebody had posted that post and 10 other people showed up and it, there was a city in Colorado that had the exact same verbiage. They just right. changed the newspaper. It's, it's all the, it's all the same, man. But where does that shit come from? You know, it, and it doesn't matter. Doesn't like, matter. I don't even know who, I don't know. I, how does it become? I remember one year, probably 10 years ago, you would have thought that kidnappings were through the fucking roof. Because every week CNN had a story about kidnappings. But you know what? The average rate of kidnappings that year was actually down. But for whatever reason, they decided it was time to focus on kidnappings. I don't know why. Was, was it to distract us from something else? I'm not sure. But uh, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I do the live feed every night at 9 o'clock. And we have a lot of these conversations. 
because it's what people want to talk about. I could turn the live feed on and we could just talk about ways to better this week, right? Let's just talk about some principles that are going to make you a higher performer this week. You're going to be happier this week. You're going to have more energy this week and you're going to make more money this week. But that's not what we talk about. We talk about whatever we want to talk about. And it's typically the negative stuff that we want to talk about. While I'm talking, I'm walking around and doing a video and showing all the product that I have available. Now, while I'm on live feed, a lot of that product sells. Right. But I only talk about positive shit and walk around and have the same audience and still sell all that product. And the answer is no. So we talk about this. But a lot of times when I sign off and we talk about all this fear stuff and I go, look, the conspiracy theories are super fun, love them. But what I need you to ask yourself is, can you change them? Are you <laughs> touched by them? Can you Are they you affected by them? Can you smell them? Can we even prove it? We've just spent the last 90 minutes talking about all these negative things. If you turned off social media, we, we used to say the news, right? It's not the news anymore. Now it's social media. If we turned off social media, would you have more time to do better things? And would you be a happier person? And the answer is almost always yes. And would you even know that those things are happening? Could, would you, could you even right. identify them, right? I like to say war within arm's reach, right? Does oh, it affect the temperature like of the water in your pool, right? Most of these motherfuckers don't even have a pool. They don't take a <laughs> bath. Like we wouldn't know it happened if we didn't keep it in that circle. And that's why the YouTube prepper spaces are selling so huge. You just oh. saw all these guys go from 5,000 followers to 500,000 followers or a million followers. You had, I've, I've noticed a lot of these guys that had these channels grow rapidly that were in the middle of the woods on these little homesteads that looked like, you know, a meth lab. Now all of a sudden they're in huge cities in Skyride buildings doing their live feeds because they scaled and made a ton of money and now they can just be news readers and talk about fear because they make so much money from the click through and their private groups and shit, but they're no longer doing what they were preaching that you should do. We've talked about it. I mean, there's no better short-term motivator than fear. Yes. And if you keep somebody on the wheel of fear all the time. And I just, I refuse, I, I've been open about it. And I tell my community that if I ever go down that fucking rabbit hole and, you know, the, the Alex Jones or the Glenn Beck rabbit hole, whatever it is, I want you to call me the fuck out on it because I'm going to be a solutions-based guy. There's going to be times like the generator thing where it is an issue and people are concerned about it. And I'm going to come at it from a solutions perspective. But I'm never going to go down that rabbit hole and stay there because I can't. Because if I do, I'll stay there too. And it's not good for me. And it sure as shit isn't good for everybody else. Well, is, is it actionable is the big thing. Is it actionable? No. Like you, you can't. We can't action it. We can't do anything about it. Right? <clears throat> it's like all the people that sent me the articles and, and the TikToks about the gun ban. I, it sucks. I could, I could spend all my headspace on being fucking pissed off about it, get mad, walk around in a funk, or I could do what I did this week and, and work on finalizing my snow contracts and making more money. I have those options. What, what, you know, I, yeah. I, I get it. If they're, if they're knocking on my door, ready to take my gun, that's a whole nother story that we can talk about down the road, but I can't, what happens in Ottawa or what happens in Washington like you said, it doesn't affect the, the temperature of the hot tub on the deck out back because it stays yeah. the fucking same temperature year round. Yeah. Melissa White asked about Brushy Mountain. So Brushy Mountain's pretty cool. You can go in there. Um, just like Waverly Hills, 
we can go in there and rent the entire facility for a day or a weekend and only have me and my people in there. They also have tours. You can go in there for the day. Um, a brewery is on site there now. They've got food trucks out there at Brushy Mountain. You can take a tour, and I think you should always take the tour. And to answer your question, we have not been there. Um, but you can pay and take a tour, which is really cool. And then they turn you loose. You can just go and wander around and see your own stuff. Um, Brushy Mountain Prison, basically they were using slave labor. They were using the prisons to work the coal mine. There's coal mines right there to the side of the prison mm. on the mountain. And the coal miners actually because the coal mines started hiring the prisoners and no longer paying the coal miners and the coal miners came in with pitchforks and torches and actually took the warden hostage or took his family hostage and actually got them to stop using the prison labor and start paying the coal miners again the coal miners were literally going to burn down and and <laughs> kill uh the people running the prison now that those coal mines those coal mines are still there and you can get in them. You're not supposed to be in them, but they are there. There's a ton of stuff there. Um, but Brushy Mountain has a, has a very cool history, and there's a lot of documentation of the history. I have a friend that worked in the Tennessee Bureau of Prisons, um, very, very high up. So we, we have access to a lot of conversation and people that were actually there uh, at different times and the stories um, that might not have been published. That sounds like it would make an incredible film. <laughs> films. I, oh, I, I'm going to have to look at it. I don't know any of this history. I think that's really, I mean, I don't know why I'm enthralled by it. Becky and I just spent, you know, our, when we have some evening together, we just watched the 10 part miniseries on Jeffrey Dahmer. And mm -hmm. I mean, I loved it. <laughs> why? I'm not really sure. And you come out with no more answers than when you went in with it, but there's something there's something intriguing. I'm just going to say it about a guy who kills people and eats them. I don't know why. I, I think maybe it's because you can't figure out what makes a person like that tick or there's something fun or slightly off-putting about being that close to evil. I, I don't know what it is, but it uh, it's certainly enthralling. Those are the ones that got caught. Right. Those are the ones you know about, right? I think that I believe that every day most people are within reach of somebody who would kill you sure literally and not, and not think twice go to walmart there is somebody in there that would be willing to harm you if it wasn't for the false sense that society would punish them right the these are a tattletale now but things are not like they used to be but there people have this false sense of security that because it's it's what's correct or it's right or justice and none of that matters if that person is willing to trade their freedom for your life. And, and I think people walk around in this fog of a false sense of security all the time. And we, we do watch those guys, right? Dahmer and the different serial killers, and there's tons of content about it. And, and if anything, that should tell you that one of your neighbors probably, <laughs> you know, is doing shit. They say that less than 10% of murders are actually solved. Yeah. 10%. That means 90% of the motherfuckers getting killed, nobody ever has an idea of who it was or there's no, you know, they can't prove it. there's nothing to it. Hey, when I was, uh, I don't know, nine, 10 years old, we got a phone call from, we, we, were, we were down at a church doing a puppet show. I was just this little kid. We get a phone call at this country church. Nobody should have known we were there. And they call us and they say, hey, the house next door to you guys just blew up. And I'm like, I mean, anyway, we get in the car and dad drives hundred mile an hour up this road that should only have been half that we get there. My grandmother lived next door to us. So we thought her propane tanks blew up anyway, wasn't her. It was our other neighbor. 
turned out that um, the ex-husband had got pissed off at her. There's a whole story behind it. Soaked the whole, killed her, soaked the whole house in gasoline. It was August, thought he didn't have enough gas. So he left the doors closed, went to the gas station, went and got more gas, come back, soaked that. And as soon as he lit the match, the roof come right off the house. The front door was across the street. Oh yeah. So for years afterwards, I was finding shit in our backwoods that blew out of the house. It was the craziest thing. Did it end him also? Yes. I'm of my suspicions. So she is, oh man, I should, anyway, it doesn't matter. She is a uh, domestic abuse uh, poster. You know, they, they, they look at her. There was way more to that story than went on. You know, she was not innocent. She didn't deserve to die. I'm not saying she did, but she, right. they, they were, it was a mixed bag of tricks. Anyway, I always was the opinion that I think he was trying to get away. The reason I think that is because he went to get more gas to burn the house down. And I don't think he realized he created a dynamite. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. He's lucky it didn't go off while he's gone, I guess. I Yeah. So my parents, so the, um, the, ho- the, the wall of the house facing their house moved in a half of an inch. We had to have a, a contractor come in and an engineer and fix it. And the maple tree that was there, all the bark burn off. It took, it's still, if you look at it, this is 30 <laughs> years later, it's still humped up where it grew back. Like it was wow. insane. The, the oh. power lines right in front where their driveway was, they put a grocery store entrance there. But up until three, four years ago, the power lines were still melted where the house burnt down. Like just crazy. The, the things that you're, you think, you know, I was over there two weeks before doing yard work for her. And then two weeks later, there you go, right? <laughs> wild crazy people yeah i don't know it was when you're i don't know it's nine or ten whatever it was and it was yeah it was pretty insane and the story's still there and they they always talk about it and i i mean golf balls everything blew out of that house and we found it for years and then i'll tell you this about the media uh so the local news station showed up and of course what's the first thing we did we cleaned up our yard because there was debris everywhere right the local news lady she shows up she goes well i'd like to interview you okay and uh, she she asked mom, she's like, uh, was there much debris on your yard? She said, it was covered, but we already cleaned it up. She said, Could, would you mind dumping a bunch of that on your lawn again so I can film you picking it back up? I never forgot that as long as I live, John, I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah, man. So is there a house there now or is it still no. just? So it's, uh, so Sobeys is one of the big grocery stores there. They bought the land and put an entrance in. And I think that's probably the best thing they could have done because, it his garage sat there for years. The garage never blew up. So they eventually, when it got bought, and you can even to this day, when you drive down the road, you can see where you know how a paved road, a paved driveway comes off the main road and it yeah. lips a little bit. So there's about six inches of the old driveway that still lips by the ditch. And it, <laughs> I, I don't know. Every time I go by, I think about it because it was yeah crazy, you know. And and they had propane, and my cousin ran in the house because so it blew up before it burnt down. So the people at the other church, they ran over, went into the house, and you could hear like this noise. And then there was like a second explosion, and then it burnt down from there. But yeah, the first thing, the big two-inch solid wood door was across the street on the parsonage's front lawn. And oh, yeah, it was the craziest. I don't know. It was just. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's like a shape charge. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said a fuel air bomb. Yeah, like a fade bomb. And that's what it was because, of course, he didn't want anybody to hear it. So all the windows were closed. It was a hot August day and the fuel, I mean, it was just, I couldn't even ima- imagine lighting that match. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was it. Oh, yeah, my. Sure, man. Well, we are, 
we're getting on to two hours. Do you want to, um, cause you got your, your live streams coming up. Yeah. So I'm actually an hour late for my live stream. I didn't even oh, no. realize that, but that's when not you a said nine o'clock. I was thinking my nine o'clock, but <laughs> yeah, not a, not a worry at all, man. That's all right. For the three people who don't know who you are, John, and they want to support you, where do they go to support you? So um, special operations equipment, we're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, TikTok. Um, website is SOE Tactical Gear. And uh, we do shirts. We do 120 pieces every Monday. Um, we actually use human beings. Um, every process that happens in manufacturing, our process, pro product happens under this roof. Um, and because we use human beings, um, our volume is not immense. So everything we build sells out usually the same day we build it. So if you have any interest in getting our products, um, you have to really be on our email or text list or follow social media. But by the time you see it on social media, a lot of it's sold out. So um, join in. If you like the conversation we had tonight, we have these conversations in the evening. Um, I do a lot of videos at 4.30 in the morning on Instagram that go to Instagram and TikTok that are a little different than this, more motivational stuff, business type stuff. Um, but I'm the CEO of this company and I started it 35 years ago and you can have a conversation with me about literally anything you want to talk about. So join us. Goddamn approachable. Absolutely. You're there and you answer questions. I do. I do. And you can get her perspective on it too. If you don't want to talk to the, the mean guy, you know, you can talk to the more, <laughs> the more mean female. And the qualities, I mean, I got a wallet and I bought that over the shoulder I don't know what you call it, tactical bag or whatever I got from you at uh, Self-Reliance Festival and the shit. I mean, it's bulletproof. I, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure I could um, tow a tank with the, with the wallet for sure. Well, it's heirloom quality. You're going to give this to your grandchildren. You're, when you're dead, people with your last name are still going to use these products. Um, and we do crazy torture stuff. Like we've towed five-ton military vehicles. We took one of our belts, hooked it to a crane, and lifted an M60 main battle tank all the way up so it's just teetering on the back tracks <clears throat> and those are the products we built and you stand and they're fucking incredible there's no other getting around yeah. it <laughs> i got yeah. a review video coming up on your over the shoulder bag here uh, in about two weeks yeah. it'll be coming so you'll see it but awesome thanks john and thanks amanda for coming on i, I wasn't sure if i could get you on when i asked john he's like oh yeah she'll come it'll be great so yeah cool so we have a we have a private youtube channel and we oh, yeah. do question and answers uh, every week and they're usually about an hour and a half to three hours of video but Four amanda's, five amanda's on all those videos and how do they get into that so you join it from our youtube page um the entry level is one dollar cost one dollar and <laughs> we have conversations that we really don't have forward we go a lot further in depth on things and it, yeah, and they, and they get even, and it's worth paying for access at every single time. We, we, you and I talked about that, I think last time it's, yeah. you find the person you click with and then you invest a little bit of money because that's what separates the people who want from the people who don't necessarily care. It's $1. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a buck. You it, can't it, even it, get a coffee for a buck anymore. It, it keeps the spam out. That's all it yeah. does. That's cool. Well, thank you very much, John. I appreciate right, it. And, yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, I'll end up here and you can, if you got to go, go, or you can hang in the back for a second and I'll, uh, we'll close up. Awesome. Well, guys, I hope you appreciated that. It was an absolute pleasure having John and Amanda on this evening. I, I loved it. It was great. 
We're going to close it up here. We hit two hours, guys. Keep coming back. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.